Hello, and welcome to another wonderful episode of So You Think You Can Fanon. I am your host, Sergio, and today here with me are Matt and Michael. Hello. Yeah, hi, bro. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's going, bro. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty oh, it's going good. pretty good. Oh, that's good. So what are we here yeah. for? Why have you summoned us? The reason why I have summoned you is that we have a request from one Ralph from New Jersey. <gasps> Ralph from New Jersey? <laughs> yeah, the guy who's right. not that Todd dude. Yeah, yeah not, not Todd, Todd from Jacksonville. Todd, Fuck who you, does Todd. know what he did? He knows what he did. He that does. motherfucker. This <laughs> is Hell's Boiling Point. Uh, it has its own TV Tropes page. It is a Hellboy and Owl House cro- crossover. Full disclosure, I've never seen the Owl House, but I have seen the original Hellboy movie, and unfortunately, the remake. Well, lucky for you, I am knowledgeable about the Owl House, but I have not seen anything related to Hellboy other than the fact that he is an injustice. Matt, do you have what experience with either? Owl House? No, I, well, I, I did see the Hellboy movie when I was like eight. And that's about it. Mm. So the <clears throat> Owl House for Matt and for anyone that is uh, not aware of what the Owl House is, the Owl House is a animated show for Disney that was created by, I believe, uh, I don't I don't want to get this wrong. I got to look this up real quick because I am bad with uh, names and stuff. Uh, give me a second. Uh, by Dana Terrace, and it has been, it has received quite a lot of acclaim for uh, not only its representation, but also for its enriching story, its characters, its setting, which has a lot of lore to it, its animation, and uh, of course, just the whole shebang of a Disney magic series, which is kind of prevalent um i should also say that unfortunately the owl house has been canceled because of disney not believing it to follow into its core values which i like to consider it just meaning that hey you guys had an openly gay relationship before the series ended so um you kind of want to have the advertisements yeah but it's it's a very popular show, and it's very very good because uh, it's a Disney show with an openly gay protagonist, which that's like that's like one of your when pigs fly sort of situations because Disney is not very good with not catering to advertisers. I'm honestly amazed that it managed to get made. Hold on, Michael, are you telling me that true representation isn't putting it in the background so it can be edited out in a country that isn't fine with that? Yeah, or, you know, doing it at the end of the season because you already got canceled and, you know, you might as well give a big middle finger to whoever the fuck you're doing this with. Which is- <laughs> Cora! <laughs> sorry, that's one <laughs> She wrote! <laughs> sorry, no, sorry. Uh, yeah, um, this was, this is a very, like, Steven Universe moment for Disney. It is a very big deal for a lot of people. It is a very well-received show. It is, I believe all of it is on Disney+, Plus, if not just the first season. And it's it does one of my favorite things, which is a magic, uh, magic series with a magic school that shits on Harry Potter. 
It is like there is an entire episode dedicated to just shitting on Harry Potter. It is so good. I believe the first episode is all on YouTube. I could be wrong, though. Go ahead, Sergio. Uh, What I was going to say was uh, somebody brought up like like an old statement that J.K. Rowling said where she was like, Harry and Hermione should have got together. And somebody like quote retweeted it. it was like, didn't you write the book? Yeah. Uh, it was mostly shitting on like the whole house system for Harry Potter and how it's fucking stupid and that it basically harms the mental well-being of any student that ends up going and attending Hogwarts. But yeah, it's it's a it's a very good show and it's very beloved for a very numerous amount of good reasons. <clears throat> well, with all that being said, you should probably start uh, reading the thing. Uh, so this, as I mentioned before, is Hell's Boiling Point by Shoot to Mess. Summary is as follows, formerly Hell on the Boiling Isles. So get this, there's this girl, normal girl, nothing strange about her. She could get sent to the summer camp, but the camp tell, calls her mother and tells her she never made it. And that's when things turn sideways, when the BPRD investigates the appearance of Luz Noseda, and Hellboy ends up taking a vacation to the Boiling Isles. Uh, this is for Teen and Up, no archive warnings apply. Category is female on female. Uh, tags include witches, oh they jump in parabolas, Hellboy is not a happy camper, ah yes, the most powerful spell, a gun. Also, there will be Nazi killing. Well, of course, it's it's a Hellboy story. Yeah. Well, have you really written Hellboy until you've killed a bunch of Nazis? Have you really lived until you've killed a bunch of Nazis? Yeah, we gotta circle back to Gurren Jesus at some point. <laughs> I want. I want to see the crossover. Yeah, I want to see Kamina team up with Jesus again, and also team up with Hellboy to go kill Nazis. We should. Um, we should do a uh, spiritual successor called Jesus and Gurin in Hell. They meet Hellboy, and uh, Kamina and Jesus adopt him as their son. And they go fight Hitler in Hell. <laughs> He's already dead. They just want to send him to Hell, Hell, Super Hell, where yeah, even super. Satan is scared to go. <laughs> Yeah, and then super hell. There's super Satan, and he's scared of ultra hell. <laughs> Don't even get me started on ultimate hell. Yeah, they're absolute pussy bitches when it comes to immortal hell. Yeah, with that new funky mode. All right, <clears throat> am I narrating? Should Michael narrate, perhaps? Or what are we thinking? I say you can narrate, narrator man. <laughs> A man lifts a cigar to his mouth before lighting it. Michael. So get this. He puffs out. There's this girl, a normal girl, nothing strange about her. She lives with her mom, goes to school, reads her favorite books, the works. Sure, she's a bit of a rambunctious kid with a big imagination, but she isn't packing some hidden powers or anything. He taps his cigar, the ashes falling off. A shine catches his eye, prompting him to investigate. But she doesn't know how to get herself into messes. Oh, sorry, she does know how to get herself into messes. See, she causes a few incidents at school. Because of her uh, more ambitious projects. Gets a little too graphic in a play, uses a swarm of spiders for a muddle griffin, and brings in snakes for a book report. Of course, that griffin thing is pretty accurate. Probably not what a normal kid should be doing in a normal school. 
He reaches down and picks up the shining object. A marble. So after the snake thing, old mom decides it's time to stifle. I mean, rein in her daughter's imagination. She signs her up for this summer camp that's all about bookkeeping and filing taxes and reality. Sounds like hell, which is a lot coming from me. He flicks the marble up in the air and catches it, staring at it again when it rests in his palm. So when the summer begins, she sees her kid off, but needs to leave for work before the bus arrives. She trusts her girl and asks her to text once she gets to camp. He pockets the marble, then makes his way through the woods. Sometime later after work, the mom texts her daughter to see if she made it okay. The girl confirms, pretty normal, nothing seemingly wrong, but then about the time, that's when the actual counselors at the camp call, and where the real trouble begins. Camellia had flopped onto her favorite chair, glad to be through with a rough day. She hadn't been able to get off until late at night, swamped with patience. Even her lunch break had to be cut short for an emergency. And that reminded her, she hadn't gotten the chance to text Luz yet. It's By now, Luz. By now, she should have been getting ready for bed, probably after the introduction ceremonies at the camp. If they had those at an inside-the-box camp, that was. How's summer camp? She texted. Oh, Miha. Is that Miha or Mija? Miha. Miha. She wondered if she had done the right thing, sending her to this place. She knew she looked disappointed before she'd gotten on the bus. It's not as if she'd wanted to resort to this option. After that, Hijo de Puta left the two of them. She only dived deeper into her love of wizarding fantasies to cope. But the incidents had started piling up, and the school wouldn't tolerate them anymore. They'd threatened suspension, or even expulsion. So, Camellia had to put her foot down, for Luz's sake. A ring from her phone alerted her. I think I'm gonna like it here. Luz's text wrote. She sighed in relief. Perhaps things wouldn't be so bad after all. Especially if Luz was already having fun. Another ring from her phone, this time for a call. She didn't know who decided to call this late in the evening, and she didn't seem to recognize the number. It could have been a robocall. She let it pass, not wanting to deal with something like that. Once the call passed, however, she noticed the same number had called her several times earlier that day. She'd turned her phone off while working, but it seemed someone had really wanted to get in touch with her during that time. She quickly called the number back, curious about the circumstances. Uh, hello? Came a voice from the line. Uh, yes, this is Camellia Noseda. You've called me several times today. I apologize. I was at work and had my phone turned off. I only just got off around 45 minutes ago. Ah, Miss Noseda. I'm Artie Feld's counselor at Reality Check. Uh, yes, we've been trying to get in touch with you. It's about your daughter. She felt a twinge of worry. Oh no, did she cause an accident at camp? I promise it won't happen again. She can let her imagination get away from her. Excuse me? I know it, it might have caused some chaos, but I hope she learned, might learn a bit of balance while she was there. Miss Noseda, what are you talking about? Okay. Turns out that little summer camp about filing taxes and crunching numbers sure like to keep consistent records. Go figure. So when a camper doesn't arrive, they're pretty quick to call the family about it. Uh, Miss Noseda, 
I was calling to see if you wanted a refund for your registration. Uh, we assumed there was a family emergency of some kind. Uh, Mr. Fells, was it? What are you talking about? A very tense pause came from the other side of the phone. Um, Miss Noceda, your daughter never arrived at camp. Camellia's heart felt as if it had stopped. Her fingers grew cold, clenching the phone tightly as a snake. She struggled to breathe for many moments. Miss Noceda, are you still with me? She took a deep, shuddering breath. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I need to go. She hung up, quickly dialing a new number thereafter. 911, what's your emergency? Please, I my daughter has gone missing. There's something I want to say before Mac, uh, or whoever's going to play this next police officer wants to, to talk. Um, mm-hmm. Open letter to any writer, including Mr. Freeney. Breathe has an E at the end. This isn't a, like a call, like like an insult or a call out or being mean. But I, when you read Chain of Memories for so long, and then I like I see struggled to breath, and I'm like, boy, there's an e at the end of it. Just 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 putting that out there. It's like p- public service announcement. There is an e at the end of breathe. Uh huh. I just I just mentally corrected at this point. Where'd you see your daughter last, ma'am? The police officer asked. Camellia stood in front of her home, many police officers walking around and inspecting the perophity. I had left her in front of our house so she could wait for the bus. She drew her hands up to her face. I thought she would be safe in our neighborhood. Michael, would you like to be police officer number two? Yeah. Yeah, everyone thinks their neighborhood is the safest place around. The police officer standing next to the original man said, only making Camellia feel even worse. In any case, the first one said, recognizing the insensitivity. We'll do everything we can to find her. Anything else you can tell us? Any strange things that might have been happening around here lately? I-, I texted her and she answered me back right before the summer camp called. She lifted up her phone and she showed him the texts. But before he could look over the message, another officer walked over. Mendoza, I've got a witness from across the street. Says the kid ran off into the woods, but why she couldn't say. Mendoza nodded, then quickly looked at the texts Camellia provided. Miss Nosida, what kind of summer camp were you sending her to? It was reality check. It's a camp meant to teach kids to be more down to earth. My daughter's imagination was starting to get the better of her. It caused a few incidents at school. Hmm... Well, Miss Nosida, this might not be as bad as it looks. Police figured it was a runaway scenario. Girl feels out of place, thinks she doesn't belong or something else. So the police figure she couldn't have made it too far and sent a squad out into the forest. They even get dogs to make it quicker. Ran out. There's any trace of where the girl went? We'll find it in this forest, Mendoza said as his group began combing the area. Each one had a hound on a leash. Get your hounds to sniff out every inch they can. You're with me, Officer Stacy. The blonde nodded. Is this, you can is have this <laughs> Officer you're, Gwen Stacy? You get to be a girl. It's just part of the task. You got it, Corporal. Mendoza then leaned down to let their dog smell an Azura doll, something the girl played with often, according to her mother. Come on, Riley. Let's get a girl home to her mother. 
The dog sniffed several times, before barking in one direction, leading the officers onward. It hadn't been too long of a walk when Riley reached his destination. Well, if ain't that spooky, Stacy commented. Before them stood an abandoned house. It was run down, probably waiting for some kid to come make it a dangerous clubhouse of some kind. Mendoza sighed. Mm -hmm. Well, looks like we found our runaway hideout. Come on, we'll coax her out of there. He heard a whimper and looked over to Stacy. She gave him a confused look back before both of them noticed the culprit. It was Riley. The poor dog was entirely submissive, ears and tail drooping to the ground, never taking his eyes off of the house. Mendoza responded by trying to pull him forward, but the dog pulled back instead. Riley's the bravest dog in the squad. What the hell that could be in there that's scaring him? Stacy asked Mendoza. He didn't have an answer. Instead, he chose to pull out his gun to search the house. It didn't take much time, but his heart was pounding the whole way. Each room he feared he might find a bear or something worse. And even more, he feared he might find a poor girl's body massacred by whatever it might be. It both relieved him and concerned him when he finished. There's nobody in there. I mean, nothing. No animals or people. Not a thing. Then why the hell is Riley so scared? That's what I'd like to know. Mendoza heard static coming from his radio. Corporal Mendoza, come in, Corporal. This is Officer Griggs. This is Mendoza. What's your status? Might be nothing, sir. But did you drop your sniffer dog's doll? Mendoza looked to Stacy, who showed them that the item was in her pack. Nope. Still secure. Why are you asking? Because I just found one. And it looks pretty new. Mendoza paused, thinking on that. This is Officer Dale. I've been seeing random pieces of junk all over, too. Saw some toys myself. But also a pair of glasses and even shoes. But yeah, some look like they only dropped in the dirt recently. Ah, uh, Officer Williams here. I found a lunchbox and a radio, even a book or two. This was starting to worry the corporal. Quite a few items that kids would use. They could have just been lost by the children from the surrounding neighborhoods, but Mendoza didn't want to take chances on this strange case. The corporal was starting to think that maybe it wasn't so simple as a girl running away from home. Things were strange enough when the CSIs couldn't find DNA on the house or the toys, but the trace calls is where things really turn sideways. Camelia looked at the officers around the room. The one in the headphones gave Mendoza a thumbs up, and he in turn nodded at Camelia. She quickly dialed her daughter's number. Sweetie? Uh, hi, Mom. What's up? Camelia wanted so badly to ask if she was all right, but the police had told her to act totally natural. If someone had taken her daughter... They were likely only letting Lou's answer to not arouse suspicion. Even if she still only ran away, she knew they had realized she'd run off. She might stop answering her phone altogether. I just wanted to check in on you, sweetie. All ready? Didn't you check in the other night? It's been some time since we've been away from each other like this. I guess I'm still worried. Okay. 
Camellia couldn't believe how casual she was being about this. Then again, Officer Mendoza did say she might have been enticed by her captors and simply didn't know what kind of danger she was in. So how's the camp been so far? Oh, uh, you know, taxes and stock exchanges and bundles more, but you know, made fun. Camellia could tell she was lying, not just because of what she already knew, but the tone in her daughter's voice. Are you sure? I I know you weren't exactly excited when I left you. Oh, well, it's just after being here for a while, I think my opinions really turned around. You know, uh, really got to know the place. Listen, uh, they're about to start the, um, next activity. What, what activity? What was that noise? Oh, nothing. Just a couple of campers having some fun. I'll call you back soon. Love ya. Wait, Biha, I just wanted to say that I'm sorry. Huh? I'm sorry if I ever made you feel like it was never okay for you to be yourself. I, I know I know it's been hard after after your father left, but I, I only want what was best for you. But if you truly aren't enjoying yourself, you can tell me because I love you. No matter what happens, I'll always love you. And if you want to go home, you can tell me and we, we'll talk about a plan we could both be happy with, okay? Yeah, Mom, I like that. Honestly, I, I really am enjoying it here. But I'd like that. And I love you too. Oh boy, sorry mom, I gotta go. Wait, Luz, don't. She heard the tone and realized she was gone. Tears welled up in her eyes. Oh, Miha. Mendoza placed a hand on her shoulder in support. It's okay, Ms. Nozida. That should have been long enough for us to... The officer using the phone tracker jumped back out of his seat. Sparks started coming out of it, too dangerous to approach, but it soon became far worse. The sparks became full-on lightning, burning into the ground around the tracker. Finally, it died down, and the lightning began to disappear. Officer Stakey broke the silence first. What the, what the hell was that? Mendoza used a baton to tilt the tracker, investigating the odd burns. It formed a perfect circle. I don't know, but I think we might be in over our heads. So the police realize. When 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 I saw the bangs and then Michael like did something to his desk, I had a like, like a vision. No, that was me. Oh, that was you. Okay, well, I'm on point. I, I uh I had a vision of my head of like if Nick was here, and in, in, in my head I'm imagining Nick just full out pulls a gun and just fires and just it. shoots. <laughs> <laughs> Nick would do that if he had a gun on his desk. He would. So the police realize they've got no idea what's going on. They call in for some kind of backup, and eventually reaches us. The Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. Once that little situation reaches our ears, well, we know exactly what's going on. So, that's the deal. Girl's been kidnapped. All our leads are mysterious kinds of dead ends. And with the tracker incident, Mendoza told a woman from the BPRD as they stood in front of the Nosada house. You've contacted the right division, Corporal Mendoza. We've got the tools and the people to find this girl. Oh, I hope so, Ms. Corrigan. Ms. Nosada's been just losing her mind over her missing daughter. 
Just guide us to the house you found, and we'll take it from there. Officer Mendoza? The two turned to find said mother walking up to them. Are are these the people who can help find my loose? Uh, they are, Ms. Nosida, but I really have to ask you to head back inside. All three were interrupted by a large figure emerging from the forest. Hey, Kate, Liz and Abe are already getting some bizarre readings. He didn't get the chance to finish, cut off by a high-pitched scream. Ah, crap. Oh, Dios, as Diablo! Yeah, I get that a lot. It's the face, really. One of those faces everybody recognizes. Camellia and Mendoza looked on in stunned silence, only for them to be even more surprised when Morgan walked up to him. You were saying, Hellboy? Oh, yeah. The others found readings similar to the other hideaways we've been to, scattered across the planet, but there are more potent. They said it's looking like it might lead to another dimension. Not one we've been to before. Need more time to recreate it. Right, anything that we they need? Grocery list is right here. Hellboy handed Kate a paper. He glanced over to the two fearful people watching him. Uh, maybe I should head back over there. He started to head back into the forest. Camellia didn't necessarily understand what they talked about, but it seemed this BPRD was her closest shot at getting Luz home. W- w- wait! Hellboy turned just as Ms. Nosida ran up to him. Please, I don't know what's going on anymore, but if you're really El Diablo, I... Tears welled in her eyes before cascading down her cheeks. Please, I'll do anything to have my daughter back. My parents disowned me for getting pregnant out of wedlock, and my cabron of a husband left us when she was young. I just... She's all I have left. I'll give my soul, even... Hey, hey, hey. Hellboy said gently, hands on her shoulders. Come on, now. I can't stand to see a pretty girl cry. He sighed. Listen, I'm not the guy from downstairs. All we're here to do is get your girl home safe and sound. No catch, no strings, nothing. We're only here for your sake. He gave her a gentle and sincere smile. We'll find her, okay? The tears only fell harder on her face. Her breathing hitched. Uh, Thank you, thank you so much. Mendoza finally had the courage to step forward and begin guiding Camellia back into the house. Kate looked at Hellboy solemnly. There's a good chance that whatever took her has already, well... Yeah, I know. But maybe I can be the thing she blames for losing her, instead of herself. Hellboy stood before the abandoned house, now crawling with BPRD agents... Camellia Nosida's teary face burned in his mind. So that's the story. Some girl's been kidnapped by an unknown force, and we're the only ones who have a chance to save her. If you're wondering how I got the parts I wasn't there for, well, I have my ways. In any case, we've been scrambling for several days now to crack the code to whatever dimensional door opened up in this house. It's slow, but we're getting there. And if we can't make it for the girl... He glanced down at his gun. The Good Samaritan. I'll be sure to give him Miss Noceda's regards. He looked up, entering the house himself. Abe was busy setting up new equipment to test the possible power output they would need. 
Liz was researching runes and glyphs, looking for the right combination. Hey, hey, Liz found another trinket. He threw the marble he'd collected onto a pile of the various other objects that had been found. Matt, you should take uh, Abe Sapien, the fish man. I heard you were talking out there. Preparing this case is another story for the new recruits? The fish man asked. Liz spoke up without looking up from her books. Sure open as is a punchline and not a horror story. Think I'll kick the ass whoever did this regardless, because either way I'm not laughing. He took the Azura doll from his other pocket and looked over it. God knows what that girl must be going through. No, 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 no. She struggled, trying her best to keep the red liquid from pouring out onto the floor, but it seemed pointless as it dripped through her hands. Nothing could help her now. The door to the bathroom flung open, revealing a somewhat confused Ada. Ida. Ida. Lose, have you seen my bottle of overflowing red slime? Ida's eyes widened as she saw Luz covered in a mass of red good, trying desperately to get the blobs on the floor back into the bottle. I might have been playing out an acting role I had. I was a dead corpse. It got out of hand. Hmm. Oh, is this a... Is, this a, is there an OST that goes along with this? Time is 34. Oh, I see. It's like a, uh, it's like a credits thing. That's interesting. It uh, it says, a statue with three heads zoomed in on, its eyes light up, and then fully as they're closed in on. Based on characters from Dark Horse Comics and Disney. A pistol marked the Good Samaritan floats by in a void. Ron Perlman as Hellboy. Fuck, we couldn't get him. Then paper with the light glyph. Sarah Nicole Robles as Luz Noceda. The Owlstaff. Wendy Malik as Ada Clawthorne. And a stuffed animal. And Alex Hirsch as King and Hootie. Shoot to Miss presents Hell's Boiling Point. Oh, that's some cool art. Yeah, this is really, this is really dope. I didn't know you could put images and videos into AO3. I guess that means we can upload uh, Jake's NFT uh, <laughs> yeah, we did. fanfic. Oh my God. I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm just going to say this right now. This is probably one of the better crossovers I've seen. Very good. Um, oh, yeah. Like, it reminds me of something that the Requiem of Remnant would... The, yeah, famed author Requiem of Remnant. No, uh, Black Mage of Phantasm would write... I was like, gonna say this definitely sounds like something that guy would write. So, um, for those who don't know, the way that Luz gets sent to the Boiling Isles, which is where Owl House takes place, is through a door in an abandoned house that Ida can basically open up. And um, the way that they have set up this crossover makes like it just it just makes a lot of sense and isn't just like oh it's a portal to another dimension and Hellboy steps through like no they just it, we just treat it as like they've just existed like they've they've always been in the same kind of universe like yeah and while I've never seen the Owl House this definitely feels like it feels like they could coexist or at least this story frames it as it's just another another thing for Hellboy <laughs> to investigate. 
Yeah, as yeah. as it stands right now, as somebody who's not terribly into big big into either of these things, it feels like it's just clicked perfectly. No janky stuff at all. I mean, I feel like that's when like the best kind of crossovers happen because there's there's a habit of like at least in My Little Pony fan fictions, the way that they do the crossovers, they just open a portal to another dimension, and that's what happens. <clears throat> or like they wake up and they just so happen to be in another dimension. Like this one is just like there's enough there, especially in like the world of the Owl House, where odd things just happen and there's like weird creatures that exist within both the boiling aisles and the real world like um i believe in the lore if i remember correctly uh giraffes were banished to earth from the boiling aisles because they were too weird um <laughs> what about a platypus i don't know I, I remember specifically i'm pretty sure let me just yeah right here um says right here, giraffes are a species of beast demon that used to be native to the Boiling Isles, but were banished to Africa in the human realm. Nice. Um, they're just a running gag that they've, uh, that they have, but it's, it's, it's just kind of goofy. But the main thing is like, there's enough there to make it weird, but to also kind of like go, yeah, these two could realistically cross over. Like it, it just sort of, exists and i feel like when a crossover does that and nobody questions anything that's when the best crossovers happen because god i am i just don't like the portal crossover thing it's so stupid yeah we were talking <laughs> to um black mage of phantasm who wrote uh requiem remnant shout out to him about crossovers because he he had our experience which is crossovers on fanfic.net kind of suck because they never feel mm-hmm. natural they never feel like a continuation of the world it's always drop you know portal open drop these characters into here and then it doesn't really like do anything interesting with the premise it's like taking two puzzle pieces from two different jigsaw puzzles and they're not even oriented on the same grid and just smashing them together yeah, like, I, my least favorite thing of a crossover is, like, they get sent into the world, they're like, whoa, where are we? And then, like, the other guys are like, holy crap, it's Tristan from Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridged. I mean, I don't know who you are. And then Tristan from Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridge gets up and he starts talking like nothing happened. And, like, there isn't really anything interesting that comes with the premise because the whole point is just character exists in the same world. Like... I'll give credit again to uh, one of our earlier episodes that we watched or read was uh, the One Piece Naruto fan fiction. Where oh, yeah, that thing. The, cro- the crossover was natural because all they did was just like, yeah, Naruto, like the, the world of Naruto isn't like its own separate universe. We just mashed them together. Like Naruto just exists <laughs> in One Piece now. Yeah, I would say that's not the highest quality crossover possible. It definitely gets a lot of points for how it does the world building together, but the plot structure of that is literally just the Naruto characters watch along as the One Piece plot happens. Like, yeah, it's literally beat for beat every One Piece episode in order. That's that's how it I, is. Again, I was, I, was, I was using, like, the setup as the comparison. Yeah, no, the Not setup so is definitely, the, uh, the definitely nice. Because uh, in this one, at least, like, they're doing interesting things sort of with the crossover where it's like Hellboy already has this kind of like used to is like he's used to the paranormal like yeah he knows about this stuff whereas like for example in like some 
My Little Pony fan fiction. They're just like, oh, I don't know how to walk with hooves. It's like, oh, okay. Like Big Time Rush in a Final Fantasy story. Yeah, like Big Time Rush in a Final Fantasy story. Like, um, shout out to Sonic High School, the movie, but that one also had like a crossover where Tracer just kind of existed and it wasn't really questioned. I feel like that's part of the joke. Yeah, that's probably part of the joke. Um, I know there are some My Little Pony Doctor Who crossovers because there was a character in the background who looked like the 10th Doctor. And that was also uh, more elaborated on when his name was literally Doctor Hooves. Um, but like there, there are fan fiction out there that do crossovers where the point isn't like, ah, yes, it is. Uh, this character button here but it's it's more along the lines of i'm taking the premise of a doctor who episode and just like giving it the flavor of like ponies and setting it in the world of ponies and it's not it's not just the characters are horses now it is the characters have been horses the but the like the story is a very doctor who story you know what was a good crossover jimmy timmy power hour that I'm was the honest. shit I need to watch all the Jimmy Timmy Power Hours because I was not a huge fan of uh, Jimmy Neutron growing up. I was not a huge fan of Fairly Odd Parents growing up. Uh, I've definitely come back to going, yeah, Fairly Odd Parents before everything hit the fan, you know, before the poof times. Yeah, that was a funny show. That was really, really funny. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had that yet with Jimmy Neutron, where I haven't appreciated it in the same sense. I'm sure I will eventually, but it's just like, it's one of those shows that like I know people really liked, but I was never hooked on. That's fair. Like, I uh, I came around to it, at least Invader Zim, and I'm curious about crossovers with Zim, because I feel like that would also lend itself to a very hilarious crossover. <clears throat> Zim uh... would be great. In any crossover, I think. Oh, you know what would be be, be an interesting uh, plot setup for an Invader Zim crossover? What? Uh, so you you know how like the, the plot is that the the great tall one sends Zim to some backwater like planet. Just mm-hmm. Zim, Zim gets dropped on like uh like he gets dropped on Tatooine or something like that. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so funny. <laughs> Whoa. I have to. T- <laughs> it's just like, oh my god, he could get tased by the Jawas. <laughs> yeah, you will obey me. And then it's just the fucking Tuscan Raiders, and they just fucking beat the shit out of him. <laughs> the Galactic Empire goes to war with Zim's people. <laughs> Vader. <laughs> Vader. There's these fucking things called urchins. We need to get rid of them. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. Beta. The tallest. Uh, man. Beta. I think. Veda. Veda, they're taller than me. They have to call the tallest, Veda. This is bullshit. Veda, they, they think you're in charge, Veda. Veda, get me my robotic Nail. arm injected into my back, Veda. Veda. Veda, get me my stilts. Veda. Uh, that would z- definitely z- lend itself. I, I feel like any like sci-fi series can just lend itself to Star Wars. 
You could make a whole I, I fan imagine. fiction about Invader Zim invading all sci-fi. <laughs> okay, hear, hear me out. Hear me out, right? Yes. Zim lands on the new world in Monster Hunter, and I'm imagining the nerdy <laughs> god type picking up Zim by like the scruff of his neck and just like like just throw, like 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 just like throwing them all around. Yeah, you know, like Hulk and fucking Loki. <laughs> he just screams. First Avengers. That would I I would love that. Man, I just want to see more good crossovers like this one, where it's just like you don't really question it. It's just it's just sort of there. I feel like another one that would probably lend itself well to uh, Owl House or even to Hellboy is uh, Supernatural. I think a fun one would be Scooby Doo, though. I want to see Scooby Doo and Hellboy team up. That and would fight actually Nazis. be real. That's something that the real Scooby Doo franchise property would do. They've literally crossed over with John Cena. Hellboy is not a stretch in any way. They crossed over with fucking Supernatural. If they can do that, Hellboy is well within reach. Well within and, reach. Okay, hear, hear, hear me out, guys. Another Banger Zim crossover idea. Invader yes. Zim in Midgar. Final Fantasy VII. In an attempt to bring down the Shinra Corporation to control the world, he blows up a Mako reactor, which gets him on Cloud and Barrett's radar. <laughs> okay, I have I have another one, alright? Invader Zim. He lands on Earth, alright? But it's also the X-Files. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 he he lands in the world of the X-Files. Oh my god, like, he'd get fucking he, caught immediately. <laughs> exactly, but the whole point is like, it's it's like a setup where it's like, um, they already, like, they know that he's like, he's not human, he's fucking green. But they just like, humor him the entire time. Yeah, they, they humor him the entire time. Uh, okay. I think another one that would be fun is Zim and the SCP universe. I was about to oh. say, you're walking down Site 19, and from down the hall you just hear, Doom! <laughs> Bloody Gur, the fucking mascot of the SCP universe right there. There's just one piece of trivia that I'm reminded of that I really want to tell you two about and tell the tell anybody who might still be listening to us talk about random bullshit. There's a scene in Invader Zim where Gur jumps up on a table, looks at Zim, and says, I want bagels. I want bagels. I want bagels. I want bagels. And it's literally just eight different takes of the same line that they were only going to say once, but they thought it was funnier to just have the voice actor of Gur say the same thing eight fucking times than do what was actually in the script. <laughs> so uh, I'm doing a little bit of research to figure out uh, what the very first crossover was, because I'm, I'm curious about it. Um the if we want to go like through tv um apparently law and order is a very popular one with the crossovers uh um, yeah the 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 guy with the the big ears i uh, can't remember his name but um like they're like the friend i can't remember mongol i think his name is don't know uh, uh, there, there's the this one law and order character uh i think he's been on more episodes of tv with just how uh like, like, how many series he's crossed over into. Damn. Uh, like, I'm I'm looking at, uh, like, because, I mean, Toku's, of course, one of the big ones. 
with uh, Kamen Rider Super Sentai, that whole crossover, that whole shebang, mm-hmm. especially with Power Rangers and their first sort of introduction to that. Um, but the earliest, at least, uh, example of a crossover was in uh, 1970 with PBS's The Electric Company on ch- uh, children's television. Um, huh. uh, so... That's uh, the earliest one for children's TV. The the character I'm thinking about, his name is John Munch. He has been in 23 seasons of network television, first starting out on a show called Homicide Life in the Street and then becoming a character on Lord and Order Special Victims Unit. But he's also in Arrested Development, an episode of The X-Files, uh, The Wire, The Beat, uh, technically an episode of American Dad, two episodes of 30 Rock, um, playing himself on J- Jimmy Kimmel, uh, an episode of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, the Muppets, uh, and he is mentioned in the BBC series Luther. Damn. If we want to get more specific, um, one of the big crossovers to ever hit the waves was in 2006 with the That's So Sweet Life of Hannah Montana, which was a crossover between the Sweet Life oh of Zack and God, Cody, just Hannah made, Montana, just me of and that. That's So Raven, which I, would then I, be I, followed I, up with... Uh, the 2009 crossover of the wizards on deck with Hannah Montana. Um, Michael, I think you're forgetting about the original crossover, which was the, uh, the universal monsters like Abbott and Costello meet the mummy and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Wouldn't comic books technically the, be the original crossover. If I believe so. Uh, let's or we're just see here. About when TV was the first universe? Hold on. When was the fir- first universal monster crossover? Uh, uh, 1943, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Hmm. Uh, it does look like um, the first ever crossover event was in uh, Gardner Fox's uh, Zatanna's Search, which took place in Hawkman number four. Uh, Detective Comics number 336 uh, in 1965. Uh, the Atom in number 19 in June slash July of 1965. Green Lantern number forty two in nineteen sixty six, like there, um, Detective Comics number three fifty five September of nineteen sixty six and Justice League of America number uh, fifty one February of nineteen sixty seven, which is uh, where Zatanna is, is attempting to reconnect with her father Zatara and seeking the aid of uh, Hawkman, Batman, Robin, the Atom, Green Lantern, and the Elongated Man along the way. The Elongated Man. Yeah. But the first ever major crossover event was spearheaded by the Marvel editor-in-chief at the time, Jim Shooter, uh, where he devised the Secret Wars crossover. Hmm. So, Secret Wars is a very... That's why, like, Secret Wars is such a big deal. Because it's one of the first I ones th- ever. Yeah, it's it's the first major crossover event in comic book history. Yeah, the hmm. I, I I guess the earliest thing might have been uh, like um, I was gonna say comics, but there is a a book where uh, Arsene Lupin meets Sherlock. Uh, well, Herlock Sholmes in nineteen oh eight. Yeah, um, it and it does look like the first ever video game crossover was done by Konami in nineteen eighty eight with uh. Konami YY World, which had the crossover of Simon Belmont, King Kong, and Mikey from the Goonies. Nice. Uh, which was then followed up by uh, King of Fighters and MVC. 
Nice. So, crossovers have been around. I, I'm. I, I think we're all in agreement that the best kind of crossovers are the ones that feel natural. Or like, mm-hmm. it isn't just like, whoa, we're in this real, we're in this different world. Who are you guys? Oh, we're established characters from franchise. Oh, we're established characters from franchise. Let's just follow the plot of one of our franchises. Of course. Yeah, like this one seems to be kind of taking its own story. Because Owl House hasn't finished up yet. But, like, it, it definitely looks like it's being taken in a direction, at least from this first chapter that we read, where it's not following the main plot of Owl House, and it's kind of doing its own thing. And I appreciate that a lot. Hmm. Also, the art is really well done. So, shout out to uh, My Name Jers for the amazing art. Hmm. Yeah, I'll just look it up myself. Yeah, Hell's Boiling Point does have a TV traps page. Hmm. Uh, yes, sorry, my computer was having a stroke uh, for a second there. Um, but yes, it does have a TV traps page. Yeah, which is really interesting. I I actually really have come to um, dig into reading fucking... God, what was I thinking? Uh, I, I've gotten really into reading uh, TV trip stuff. I think it's fun. I um I like it when TV tropes are like specifically like when you read them, it's not just yeah this is why this is this. It's like I I like it when they're a little cheeky and a little snarky about it. Uh, because I mean this is for the fans. I feel like anyone that's like looking into the tropes of a certain media, like Star they're gonna, Wars, they're gonna want the in jokes. They're gonna want yeah. They're gonna spies. want some. Yeah, they're gonna want some in jokes. They might. I, I like it when they throw a little bit of shade. That's when I have a good laugh. Is when I'm reading the TV tropes page, and they're just like, "Yeah, they did this, and it was fucking stupid." Like, hmm. I like it when they do that sort of thing. It's funny to me. Because not everyone's gonna enjoy the same sort of content the same way. But even those that like really like their content, they like it when it's done in a way that's like cheeky little little snarky here and there but uh more importantly it's like it still has that sort of fan love or at least it's in a way where it's not like the the author this is shit they're stupid they're dumb babies and it's instead made into more of a uh more of a sort of because i mean it's a trope we're talking about tropes i i feel like it's okay to be a little bit snarky with it Mm mm-hmm yeah. Yeah, for those of you who want to read it, you can find an archive of our own. It's Hell's Boiling Point. It is written by Shoot to Miss. I'm very excited for the future of this. I don't think it's finished yet. It is not. It was last no, updated it's... last year. Interesting. And that's not just oh, it, it was in 2021. It was in um August of last year. Oh yeah, and cha- so yeah, chapter eight is just a preview. Mm. Oh fuck! That actually reminds me. There was a really interesting Powerpuff Girls fan fiction that has been making the rounds for like ten years now. That I was reading. It's apparently really? written by a woman who's gone from like being a teen fan fiction author to just you know full-on author and she always did a really 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 good job on that one powerpuff girls fan fiction 
maybe that's something we'll have to mark down as our uh, to reads because uh, if there's one thing it's one thing I know about Powerpuff long. Girls, no. Well, if there's one thing I know about Powerpuff Girls, you don't really know what you're getting into unless it's well received. Because Lord knows, Lord knows. I remember there was a uh, there was a fan animation for My Little Pony called Double Rainboom, in which Rainbow Dash does a double rainboom and goes into a goes into another dimension which just leads her into the fucking powerpuff girls <laughs> it is so stupid and i don't understand how they like why they did it because it I, I like honestly i don't think it should have been done it's a fucking my little pony fan-made episode i don't know why they went for the powerpuff girls crossover outside of uh lauren faust's helped work on the powerpuff girls because that's her husband's work <laughs> that's they so could have crossed over with uh fosters too if they really wanted to or wander over yonder oh shit you right yeah there's so many great shows that lauren faust or her husband have worked on it's wild yeah hmm. i definitely approve of this crossover fan fiction i like when crossover is done nicely and they aren't very stupid. I agree. Anyways, oh. yes. Hold on, one more, th- one more thing to add for early crossovers. Uh, Huckleberry Finn. It has Tom Sawyer in it. Huh? Does that does that really count? Yeah, I don't hear really anyone talking about another the, book. I don't hear anyone talking about the hit crossover. But Huckleberry Finn was in Tom Sawyer too. Is that really a crossover? I'm, I mean, Wikipedia listed as a crossover. I'm not listing like I think we need a better definition of what a crossover. I feel is like this is a moment where I agree with the teachers who don't let students use Wikipedia as a source. Okay. Yeah. Um. Here's the. I okay, will say. I mean, it falls in line with uh, crossovers being a two fictional characters from different books meeting each other. Here's like another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Palliser from the Palliser series of Anthony Trollope appears at the end of Miss Mackenzie, a novel published between the first and second Palliser novels in 1865. Um, one of these characters Damn. being introduced in a previous novel, 1864. Huh. Interesting. There's a lot of history to crossovers. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, I, w- I would think, awesome. like, yeah, early mythology kind of probably kind of started out as yeah like, i was actually like about to say crossovers. early mythology is basically crossovers isn't it yeah one guy's got a story about one guy another one's like i agree i agree with the story i think my guy exists like with your, your guy because they've yeah, got the titans it. which then leads into the gods and then hercules meets the titans and the gods yo is this like is this like my favorite uh series known to mankind where they had crossovers like that What's it? Oh yeah, the Star Wars Legends series, where if someone really liked a book, they could just say it follows in the same fucking universe. What, yeah. dude? I just re- you remember when Jesus showed up in the the the, uh, the Quran? That was a crossover. <laughs> Does that really count when the Quran literally just is it partly uses in the Bible? It's that a would crossover. be like you're watching the a My Little Pony episode, and then the first like two minutes are my little pony and then the next 10 minutes are powerpuff girls and then it's just back to a my little pony episode that's just double rain boom dude <laughs> like 
<laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, there was that one time where My Little Pony and Transformers crossed over. Okay, sure. Why not? It's this is the real thing. Okay. Uh, there was a t- uh, there was a comic series where Mega Man and Sonic crossed over. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other crossovers that I know of outside of the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. Uh, most of the Showa films in Godzilla, they tend to have a bit of a well, yeah, crossover. that's Showa and Toei and Tokusatsu in general. Uh, Godzilla is made by Toho. Yeah, we mentioned Showa era and Tokusatsu and Toei. I mentioned Toei because in general, Toei reminds me of Tokusatsu. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I know there was one time where Gamera and Godzilla did cross over outside of the uh, the game, the Shadow game. I forget its name. Um, it was a stage play, though. So does that really count? I guess I'll mention uh, there was an anime crossover between One Piece, Dragon Ball, and Toriko. Oh, yeah. Didn't they all, like, fight? Yeah, they all fought each other. And Goku was like, wow, that was kind of fun. I'm not hurt, but we should do that again sometime. Despite yeah. the fact that nobody should even be able to fucking dent his skin, let alone do anything. I mean, you never know. This if it's not in the continuity, it could have been a like earlier Goku, like buff, like pre Saiyan Saga Goku. No, he goes Super he Saiyan. Got... Oh, okay then. Yeah, they probably should be able to dent him, but eh, it's Goku. Eh. eh. Uh, trying to think of any other canonical crossovers that were just kind of weird. Because uh, I'm sure there's probably a few ones. There's like, other what? weird ones with Scooby-Doo, I'm sure. Yes, Scooby-Doo crossed over with Kiss, the band. And it turns out that the Kiss band is actually from another planet. And they have like magical girl transformations that go to like hard rock. And they have to go fight some evil sorceress or some shit. And they have like their own like amusement park called Kissland or something. Sergio's typing up a storm back there. Like, yeah. Um, Do you me, think those were all, all stipulations Scooby. in Kiss's contract agreement? Like, we will allow you to put us in a Scooby-Doo movie only if we get to be super-powered demigods with our own theme park pocket dimension. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, this is not your demand. Also, sorry if I was typing, but my computer, my keyboard is shitting itself out right now. So, oh, yeah, so, so Sergio can do emergency repairs on his keyboard. Yeah, real quick. Some strange Scooby-Doo crossovers to end off the episode. Scooby-Doo meets Steve Urkel. Uh, Scooby-Doo met Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt. Uh, Scooby-Doo meets Harvey Birdman. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently. Apparently, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, uh, Shaggy got arrested and sent to prison. Oh, yeah. Uh, Harvey Birdman is an entire show about crossovers. Yeah. Scooby-Doo meets Johnny Bravo. I like that one. Uh, Scooby-Doo met Batman twice. Um, Scooby-Doo met the Addams Family. That just seems like natural. Yeah. Uh, Scooby-Doo meets the Winchester Brothers from Supernatural. Uh, Scooby-Doo meets the Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, Scooby-Doo meets Bobby Flay and uh, Giada <laughs> de Laurentiis, um, which was from Sco- uh, Scooby-Doo and the Gourmet Ghost. Uh, Scooby-Doo did meet the Teen Titans uh, in Scooby-Doo uh, in Teen Titans Go, where they played Cartoon Feud, which is just the family feud. Um, Scooby-Doo met the WWE, and last but certainly not least, uh, Scooby-Doo and Kiss. Nice. There's got to be some, like, Scooby comic crossovers, too, that are fucky. Yeah, I know there was, uh, 
I know there was one very specifically, just to end off the episode again. Um, there is... I'm trying to remember the fuck the, the fucking crossover was now. I'm just... I'm, I'm blanking on it. Uh, there's a ton of... Like, Scooby-Doo just has a ton of fucking weird crossovers. Oh, yeah, I remembered it now. So, Surf's Up, for those of you who don't remember, Surf's Up was a mockumentary animation movie uh, created by Sony. They had a, they did make a sequel, Surf's Up 2. However, Surf's Up 2 also was a crossover between WWE. Bruh. Yeah, it's weird. It's a canonical crossover. Oh, yeah, they crossed over with um a ton of other... um. So, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which I'm going to watch in its entirety in October, uh, they had a crossover between uh, the Teen Angels, uh, the Funky Phantom Crew, uh, the Speedbugs, and the Neptunes from other Hanna-Barbera shows, um, which, like, that's, like, Jabberjaw and, like, the Caveman. I'm, I'm kind of curious if one day they'll ever meet um, the Johnny Quest team. I feel like that's also another one that should they have to. There's no way they won't eventually meet the Johnny Quest team. I mean, that's the classic. Oh, would they have? No, they wouldn't have met the Venture Bros beforehand. They have. have? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, they they met him in Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated. Apparently, what? Okay, that's based. Nice. Yeah, he played uh, with his remote control toy plane and laughed along with his father, uh, Race Bannon and uh, Haji. Uh, adopt yeah, and as bandit jumped at it as it flew past him it was it was just kind of like one of those one of those little blink and you miss it yeah one of those blink and you miss it sort of things that's fair um he was oh yeah it wasn't a comic it was in one of the comics um scooby-doo it was called scooby-doo team up huh which is where they crossed over with a bunch of other characters when are uh, we going to make our uh, Scooby-Doo meets Invader Zim? I don't know. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, honestly, pretty crazy. They they really crossed over with a ton of characters. Jesus. They did. Hmm. Oh, they crossed over with fucking Secret Squirrel? Motherfucker. Secret Squirrel? What the hell is that? Another Hanna-Barbera character. Hmm. Yeah. That's wild. That reminds me of a show called Secret Saturdays, and now I'm sad because C- Secret Saturdays got canceled. They also should have had a crossover with Scooby Doo. Yes. All right. I need to know if that ever happened because I'm sure. I'm sure that's something that would have happened. No. They they never did. Well, that's not terribly surprising. It's not really. I think there's too much IP conflict to easily do a Secret Saturday Scooby-Doo crossover. Is that the reason why it was canceled? Uh, No, I think it got canceled just because it was another one of those high-budget action cartoons that didn't sell enough toys. Uh, Okay, hear me out. Scooby-Doo and Ben 10, Scooby-Doo and Total Drama Island. I I am down for Ben 10 and Scooby-Doo. That is a match made in heaven. I don't know about Total Drama Island, dude. No, Ben 10 and Scooby-Doo, you know, that's decent. Scooby-Doo and Total Drama Island literally writes itself. It literally writes itself from start to... Gotta walk the dark of shame, dude. Like, I don't know if I wanna. I can't go without Scooby. Well, then you're gonna be out a million smackaroos. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. Never mind. You sold me. I'm down. So, Mike, viewers on viewers. Is there. <laughs> For new viewers, real quick, uh, send us your weird crossovers. I want to know what some weird crossovers that you think more would crack. work. More crack, the better. Uh, yeah. And for those of you that have the ability to, I would really like to hear uh, hear you out on why it would work. You have If you explain why it would work, uh, we'll go into detail on them in a future episode. Yes, nice. and I, I do want to return to this, because, you know, we, instead of reading another chapter, we decided to discuss crossovers. But I will, let's put this on the list of things to come back to. Indeed. Certainly. Uh, I, I, I didn't, like, I mean, there's only eight, well, seven chapters, really. I feel like if we want to return to this, we can at least space it out. Oh, Ralph, based suggestion. Based suggestion. That was a that was an absolute winner. Banger, if you will. True banger. Mm. All right. Ooh. We love Ooh. you. Goodbye. Parasocially. socially. Uh...